What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Brothers for Adversity. Um, this is Tommy. Uh, this this week for me was really hard. Um, I felt like I was doing my very best, and and for some reason, uh, just been feeling tons of anxiety and insecurity, uh, just about life and and physical anxiety, like really, really struggling. Um, and it's been hard cause I feel like I've done everything I, I can and still, you know, still I, I feel not great. <laughs> and, um, I think that's how a lot of us feel sometimes. Like we're given everything we have and there's just nothing, nothing else we can do to fix the problem, you know? Um, so I guess a while back I uh, was asked to speak in a mental health fireside. Maybe this was like a month ago. I'm not totally sure. Um, but I go back to this talk a lot now because there's something about hearing your own words and, and seeing your own experience and seeing um, the hard times and, and your perspective in a good state, right? Like, um, And so I decided that this week maybe just because I'm having a hard time. I would read this talk. Um, so I'm just going to read it. I'm going to pretend like I'm just on the pulpit. pulpit. So um, here it goes. I remember hating church firesides as a teenager. They were so stressful for me and very painful to sit through. As I walked into the stake center, I would anticipate talks about becoming like Jesus Christ and following the commandments. Those thoughts filled me with dread and hopelessness. The best I could do was pretend like it made sense and that I wanted to be there. But as soon as someone got up to speak, I checked out. I didn't want to hear how I could be better. I didn't have much confidence I could be. I didn't have... I'm already getting emotional. (laughs) I didn't have experience with Jesus Christ changing my life. That wasn't very relatable to me at the time. So, in an effort to try and relate to a younger Tommy's experience, insecurities, and concerns, I will start my talk with a quick overview of my life. These are bullet points. I was a very tough kid to raise. I was anxious and I couldn't leave my mom. I was very stubborn and would scream and cry for hours on end if I didn't get what I wanted. Up until midway through my 8th grade year, I would call my mom at lunch every day on the nurse's phone, and if she didn't answer, I would start crying and refuse to go to class. I was terrified of going on a mission as soon as I was old enough to know what a mission was. I didn't want to go, and I was totally ashamed to say that. I'm 22 years old, and I still haven't gone on a mission. I started anxiety medication and therapy when I was in middle school. I had a serious girlfriend when I was 14 years old. In high school, I was very rebellious to my parents. I broke all of my parents' rules and felt very guilty about who I was becoming, but I would never tell them that. I ended up in a mental hospital for a few months because of severe depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. There, I developed an intense resentment towards God, my parents, and life. I've struggled with pornography. I failed out of two consecutive semesters of college because of my inability to function for long periods of time. I still often feel like I will never be confident enough, competent enough to get married, provide for a family, or sometimes even get out of bed function. And I'll break character, especially this week. <laughs> uh, if there is a young Tommy out there that still feels like he or she is way less competent and there is no hope for them, come talk to me after and I'll give you 
Tommy's bonus list of struggles, and that will definitely make you feel better. It's only like five or six pages. Anyway, people were supposed to laugh. They kind of did. <laughs> um, when I was asked to speak at this fireside, they told me the to- topic was somewhere along the lines of how to find hope and healing while dealing with mental health challenges and how the Savior and his atonement play a part in this. Well, this was kind of unfortunate for me because those are the two things that I've been trying to figure out for 22 years, and to be honest, I hadn't made significant progress in understanding those things. I have found more hope and healing in my life, but the process by which that took place remained very mysterious to me. But I figured I was giving this talk, so I might as well use the opportunity to learn something. My first genuine attempts to improve my mental health were somewhere in my junior year of high school. I had just gone through some, some of the hardest times of my life. I'd gotten pulled out of school to live in a mental hospital for about two months. To say I hated that place is an understatement. I never wanted to go back. So I decided it would be a good idea to start figuring out what was, in my words at the time, wrong with me. I started reading a lot of self-help psychology books. I figured that in order to overcome this struggle, I had to understand what was happening in my brain and how to alter it in order to have the life I wanted. I had always felt like I was incompetent and failing, and I was embarrassed by that. So in my mind, success and obvious competence were the goal. I wanted to have success, and I wanted everyone to see it and admire me. So from that point on in my life, or sorry, so from that point on, my life went something like this. I would go through obsessive spurts of studying ways to change the brain. I tried every self-help principle I could get my hands on. I would be so convinced that I had figured out the secret to my success and happiness, the key to turning my life around for good, and then I would get overwhelmed. I would crash and my life would quickly fill with anxiety, depression, and resentment. I would indulge in my suffering until inevitably questioned if, until I inevitably questioned if life was worth it. I would then call my parents in total despair, and after all they could do, I would hang up and lay there wishing I could disappear. Eventually, the pain became too much and I would try again. Search for the answer, conviction that I had found it, overwhelm, depression, then hopelessness. The cycle went on for four years. Each time I repeated the cycle, I was less and less convinced and more and more hopeless. While the majority of my experience went like this, there was a few times where I remember feeling a different type of hope. A hope that was not correlated with the belief that I would have incredible worldly success. It was a comforting comforting feeling and assurance that told me everything would be okay, and oftentimes left me sobbing with relief. As I reflected on my life while preparing for this talk, I noticed an interesting pattern. All of these experiences with this unique hope were all associated with very certain very important people in my life. People that were determined to help me and that I love and will forever be grateful for. The interesting thing about this is that I had so many people try to help me my whole life. I had doctors, therapists, church leaders, and friends who had attempted to help me in every way they could possibly think of with very little success. Why was it that these other people in particular were so beneficial and crucial to me in my process of finding hope and healing? This is something I really struggled to figure out for about a week when trying to write this talk. So eventually I went back and tried to relive my, my memories with these individuals. Now I'm going to tell you some experiences with the hope that it will give those struggling some insight into what changed my life. When I was in high school, just out of a mental hospital, Lindsay Bagley gave a talk pertaining to mental health and some struggles that her husband Todd had been through 
dealing with crippling depression and anxiety. I'm not sure where it was, but I know that my parents were there. My parents reached out to Lindsay after the talk and asked if Todd could meet with us. I was hesitant because honestly, I was sick of people giving me advice that didn't work. But my experience with Todd was unlike any I could have expected. When I met Todd, I could see myself. He seemed to be somewhat tormented at the time with his difficulties and seemed to have a somewhat obsessive desire to try and figure out how to fix his brain. He didn't give me much advice, but validated a lot of my struggles. And as we talked, I could feel his compassion towards me. I remember feeling so light walking out of that meeting and having that first feeling of hope come over me. I knew at that moment I could trust Todd. In college, I remember a particularly hard time. I just recently crashed into depression after yet again trying yet again another self-help principle. On top of that, finals were coming up, my relationships were shaky, and I had very low self-confidence. I went up into my room and sobbed for hours. Finally, I called my parents in despair, expressing my hopelessness and desire to disappear. I remember my parents getting emotional. I could feel the stress and hardship that came from trying to help me. They must have felt just as hopeless as I did in that moment, but I remember one of my parents saying, trying not to sob, we're not going to let you fail, Tom. We're going to be with you through all of this, and we're going to figure it out. In that moment, I felt the same hope. I knew I could trust my parents. I had an incredible leader growing up named Wade Levitt. He was the funniest, coolest leader. I always had such respect for him, but I was always insecure because I didn't want him to know all of my struggles. He knew I struggled with anxiety, but I didn't let him know much more. I wanted him to think highly of me. Well, sometime towards the middle of high school, Wade was diagnosed with dementia. His whole life was turned upside down. He slowly started losing his ability to think and articulate quickly. His body started to shut down. He eventually started to have terrifying hallucinations and dreams. I can't even begin to imagine what he went through. But one day as we talked, he told me something that shocked me. He said that everything he was going through was tough. But the single hardest thing for him was the new anxiety that tormented him every day. He feared that people would feel bad for him. He feared what would happen to his family after he died. He was terrified that he would embarrass himself if anyone came to visit him. These were the things that kept him up at night. We had many talks about anxiety, depression, and life. He always told me, Tommy, I can't believe you have dealt with this your whole life. I'm so sorry. I wish I had been more more understanding. Wade and I had some incredible moments together, some amazing conversations. As Wade's dementia became more and more devastating, I watched him become one of the most compassionate and Christ-like people I've ever met. When Wade died, I was heartbroken. But But I know he has my back on the other side. As I think back on Wade, I can't help but feel like his suffering was an answer to my parents' prayers. He was one of my best friends. I will always have incredible gratitude for Wade and the immense hope he brought into my life. After reviewing these stories over and over again, I finally knew what these people had in common. 
All these people had suffered for me in various ways. To comfort me and to give me hope. Todd suffered for me. My parents suffered through everything with me. And Wade suffered and died for me. As I began to notice this pattern, I started to realize its divine nature. Don't we all have a brother who suffered and died for us? Who suffers with us? Who has the capacity to help because of his overwhelming suffering for us? With this in mind, I want to share one more experience. This is an experience that I don't tell often because of how special it is to me. But I felt inspired to share it with you guys today. A little over two years ago, I came home from Utah after failing out of my college classes. After a year of struggling to function and find purpose in life, I called my mom suicidal and hopeless. In the next few days, I was back at home with no friends, no plan, and no hope. My childhood nightmare that my anxiety and depression would limit me from having a normal, successful life had been confirmed. I was confident that I would not be able to get married support a family, or have a successful career. As the days passed and I refused to get out of bed, I was overcome with the darkness that seemed to change my whole being. I still become overwhelmed when I think back on this darkness. I remember feelings of intense misery, resentment, and hopelessness that I do not know how to explain. One night that seemed particularly dark, I sat awake, unable to fall asleep. As I considered taking my life... I realized that there was a good chance that if I did, I would wake up in some other life and have to deal with the consequences of my actions. <laughs> that thought terrified me. I was filled with the dread that to this day I cannot describe. I realized I could not escape this harsh reality. In an act of total desperation, I got down on my knees for the first time in a long time. I fully expected no response, but if I did get a response, I knew it would be painful. I knew I would get reprimanded for, my reprimanded for my behavior, my hatred and anger towards God. So I braced myself and began to formulate thoughts in my head. Before I could get a word out, I had a feeling come over me that I had never encountered before. It was so potent and so powerful that I know I can never deny what I felt. The feeling was pure love. There was no trace of discipline in this feeling. I was so overwhelmed, I could not stay on my knees. I fell to the ground and sobbed. I could hardly comprehend what was happening. All I knew in that moment was that my Heavenly Father loved me, and my oldest brother suffered for me, and that night changed the trajectory of my life forever. Unfortunately, this did not fix all of my problems. Many of the same struggles and mental health issues I had prior to this experience quickly began to resurface. Doubts and fears came back soon after they left. But something had changed in me. There was a hope and healing instilled deep in my heart that I could not deny. So in conclusion, I guess I will try my best to answer this question that was posed for me when I was asked to write this talk. How do we find hope and healing in our lives when dealing with mental health issues? Hope and healing come as we trust Jesus Christ and his ability to comfort and help us because of his suffering for us. Now, this is far from the answer I would have wanted to hear as a struggling teenager. 
and I don't mean to oversimplify this concept. I am the first to admit that developing this trust is not easy. I am also aware that medication, therapy, and mental health principles are often necessary. My message today is not to take away from the importance of those things, as I still utilize all of those helpful tools in my life. That being said, I have looked for answers and solutions in the world, and as far as I can tell, nothing I tried to do on my own seemed to be very helpful at all. As I think of the tragedies of the world alongside my hardships, I have come to this conclusion. Without Jesus Christ, we would have good reason to feel hopeless. All of my fears and insecurities were valid and crippling, without taking into account the miracle of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, any mistake or lack of progress feels urgent and hopeless, as it should. Without the knowledge of a father that has a plan for us and a brother that can journey through it with us, all is lost. Any setback, struggle, disease is reason for despair and panic. Without him, it is easier to consider taking life than one might think. Life is hard, and if not right now, it will be. I do not pretend to know how to fix that or how long it will take. But regardless of your circumstances, please keep trying. Looking back, I have the clearest knowledge. The Heavenly Father knew exactly what He was doing. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 teaches a very important principle that I wish a young Tommy understood. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and he shall direct thy paths. 2 Nephi 4.19 says, And when I desire to rejoice, my heart groaneth because of my sins. Nevertheless, I know in whom I have trusted. And I can say with all my heart that most days I feel inadequate. But I know in whom I have trusted. <laughs> There's a country song that means a lot to me. My dad sent it to me sometime after I left to go live on my own for college. I was not doing too well, but this song gave me so much hope. As I strive to build my trust in Jesus Christ, this song has taken on new meaning to me. I can imagine getting ready to leave heaven and begin our mortal journey, a journey that we know will be filled with incredible suffering. Depression, anxiety, hopelessness, broken relationships, confusion, shame, Feelings of inadequacy, death, heartbreak, physical pain, doubt, the list goes on. I can imagine standing with our Heavenly Father and our oldest brother, saying one last emotional goodbye, as they say something like this. Now these are the lyrics from the song. It says, Before I left, he hugged my neck and said, Just because you're leaving, it don't mean that I won't be right by your side. When you need me and you can't see me in the middle of the night, just close your eyes and say a prayer. It's okay. I know you're scared. I might be here, but I'll always be right there. Even though you're leaving, I ain't going nowhere. Brothers and sisters, I promise you that however lonely you feel, you are not alone. There are those suffering in silence with you. Open up to each other. 
They are people that have been specifically prepared to help you. Be patient as you wait for them. And you have a Savior that will suffer with you through your darkest times. Turn to Him. I can promise that as you do this, there will come a day where you will look back and realize His infinite love for you, and you will have hope. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Guys, I read this talk and every time I get so emotional. Because... Anytime I feel like this, I start to doubt. And all these feelings from my younger self and my past come back and I begin to question what I know. And it's really terrifying. And I just feel like a little kid that's just so clueless. And um, this talk has been a blessing to me because... When I go back and read it, I just can see myself on the other side. And I just am given a reminder of how far I've come and, and why that is and how Jesus Christ has blessed my life. And um, and if that isn't your experience yet and you haven't, you don't have yourself to to see that change and, and see the love of Jesus Christ in your life, then rely on mine. Um, rely on this talk too. You know, I, life is so hard. <laughs> you know, every single time I start to, every, every few weeks I start to feel like I figured it out. And then I have some incredible anxiety come over me and, and something happens, you know, and uh, it's really discouraging, but I know that Jesus Christ is there. And I I have doubts, but I don't doubt that. Um, and so, for anyone that's, that's going through anything, I would say my one advice to you is learn, learn of Jesus Christ. Learn, learn to know Him, and, and He will bless your life and change your life more than you'll ever be able to, to understand. And, and you will find hope. Um, anyway, hang in there, guys. <laughs> Sorry for the tears. <laughs> anyway, I'll see you guys next week.